Welcome to Because the Beatles, the podcast about the Beatles, everything about the Beatles 24-8. I'm Allison. And I'm Erica. And before we start, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen or stream us on Spotify. And if you're enjoying BC the Beatles, feel free to leave us a preferably five-star review so other Beatle maniacs can find us. Also, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter slash X and TikTok. We'll be posting videos, photos, and more from this episode and beyond. And don't forget, you can always email us at bcthebeatles at gmail.com. And we got a very cute and fun Valentine's show today. But before we get started, Erica, you did something really fun last weekend. I just got back from the Fest for Beatles fans. This fest took place at the TWA Hotel. It was mod heaven. There couldn't have been a better place to celebrate the 60th anniversary of American Beatlemania. I mean, obviously, significantly culturally, that's where they landed. As far as the hotel itself, everything was decorated in bright red and white. So it was clean. It was sharp. There were these little corners that was like one of them was like a 60s style hair salon. There was one that was set up as a 60s living room with a record player and period wallpaper. And they weren't museum pieces either. You could hang out in them. You could sit in the hair dryers. They weren't working, but you could sit there and you could relax. There was a beautiful exhibit of TWA pilot and steward wear across the years and mostly, you know, 50s and 60s. It was beautiful. Downstairs, there was even more of that, along with like artifacts of teacups and, you know, even cigarettes and all of these things that the 1962 traveler would have been carrying. Oh, my God. That's so cool. I think the best part about it was there was, you might have seen on TikTok or Instagram, some people, I think Skylar definitely was coming down a staircase off an airplane that looked very much like when the Beatles landed. That was a cocktail bar inside the plane. Right. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> so cool. And it, it set up like a plane, right? Where you can sit in like the plane seats and have a cocktail. Yeah, I don't think they did anything to it. I think it was actually the plane, like the cockpit is still there. Oh, cool. So it's like ready to take off. Well, I wouldn't trust it. It looks a little rusty. (laughs) It's a little rickety. Yeah, maybe not. For those listeners who might not be familiar, the TWA Hotel was, of course, the TWA Terminal and JFK. And I think for a long time, there was fear that it would get torn down. But thank God this hotel arrived and made this amazing experience. I'm so jealous. I want to go so, so bad. Every time I'm in New York, I'm like, this is the time I'm going to go and like, take friends and we're going to go to the, what is it called? The Connie, the airplane bar. Yeah, it's Connie. Connie. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to go there and we're going to, yeah, like have cocktails. And, but next time I swear, I mean, it must've been so surreal to have this fest in that hotel. It was, there's no other place. I don't think that you could have gone back in time in such an immersive way because it wasn't an exhibit. It wasn't set up for the fest. You know, it's lived in. It's real. Yeah, it's real. It's everywhere. And then they overlaid that with constant Beatles music wherever you went. There's a a part in the middle. It's like, you know, it's like an airplane lounge and it has this retro board that would have had all the flights, departures and arrivals on it. And they set it up. So it said Beatles. And that is where the Apple Jam stage was. So the musicians were playing right under that. And right there, like as you walked in, you could hear the fest musicians, not just Beatles recordings. So it was immersive from top to bottom. That is so cool. I love that. And 
there's the Apple Jam stage, but there are how many other stages? There's like three or four other stages, right? I think there were two main stages. So there was the Apple okay. Jam stage and the main stage. Then, of course, there's the people who gather in a hallway and they play Beatles music themselves oh, all night. Right. That was in a corner, like all the way down this really kind of trippy, scary red room sort of hallway that was just red carpet. <laughs> it was terrifying. Red room. Oh, my God. Um, so That's they were amazing. down there. Yeah. And then there was the 1962 room, which had maybe some musical things, but it also had stuff like yoga, things that took up a little bit more space than your average panel. So did you see a lot of the musicians? Like, what was the scene? Those are always pretty well attended. The big names, if you will. There were some really good big names this year. I will highlight Black Rabbit. Oh, my God. Yeah, we love Black Rabbit. They're so good. Oh, my God. Like, I can't even get over how good Black Rabbit is. Like, they get better and better. I'm so glad they were there again. I know. They were my highlight for sure of the main stage musicians. But of course, Mickey Dolenz was there. That was very cool to see Mickey Dolenz on stage. Yeah. Billy J. Kramer was there. He sang his new song. He also sang Bad to Me. He just seems like such a sweet guy. Billy J is looking great too. He, he looks, looks good. He, right? He looks like he's like de-aged about 20 years. I know. It must be, you know, the new record. It's taken him back in time. And he has a new video too, side side note, um, of him walking through Liverpool singing his new song. And hopefully we'll get him on the pod around the time his album comes out, I think in April, I want to say. But yeah, Billy's cool. That's great that he was there. Yeah, of course, you know, Lawrence Juber. I always like him. You know that. You love Lawrence Juber. (laughs) I love me some finger-picking guitar. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Mark Rivera, saxophone player for Billy Joel, and I think music director for Ringo, but powerhouse singer. He did the Joe Cocker rendition of Little Help for My Friends. Holy shit. So good. So good. Wow. Next to Black Rabbit, probably best vocal performance on the main stage. That's awesome. That sounds like a really cool like moment. It was. It was. A lot of wing songs, a lot of obscure wings, like No Words was played. Oh my God, I love No Words. I always like hearing an obscure wings track. Oh yeah. Um, Mostly a sausage party on the main stage. Shocked. There were two bands with women that I will call out, the Magical Mystery Girls. Cellophane Flowers is not just men, not just women. They're the band that has the string quartet behind them. They're so good. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. More women, more women, please. There were certainly more women on the Apple Jam stage, which overall, I mean, that was, to me, that was a more fun place to hang out because there was food, there was stuff you could wander around. It was an airport lounge from 1962. You know, that's fun. Yeah. There were a lot of cool acts there. The taxmen were amazing. They were playing when I walked in. They were so good. Jackie Armbrister. She's a solo singer and guitarist. She's one of the best vocalists I've ever seen at Fest. She's been coming for a while now. All-woman group Penny Lane, of course, Cellophane Flowers, who played both of the stages. And can't forget a band that you quite loved when you saw them in Liverpool, the Savage Young Beatles. Yeah, and they're kind of bebopping around the U.S. right now. I think they played in upstate New York, and they played a couple of times in, in New York City and then D.C. So they're all around. They're happening. They're so good. So nice. I'm glad they made it to Fest. Yeah. People were loving them. Aw, yay. That was essentially the music, but Fest is a lot more than music. It's talks and it's panels and it's authors. There were so many BC the Beatles former guests. Ken Womack, this time he was with Julie Evans. 
Oh, so nice. Julie's great. Yeah, there, there was the cutest talk. It was it was uh, like a Liverpool contingent. So it was Julie, Billy J, and Frida. It was so fun. Oh, I love that. Yeah, oh, I, yeah that's so cool. It's one of my favorite panels. So we had them. We had Deirdre Kelly, who was on recently, Jude Sutherland Kessler, Sarah Schmidt, who we're going to have on again soon, Terry Crane and his lovely wife, Linda, Caitlin Larkin mm, from them. Sirius XM, of course. Christine Feldman Barrett and her sister, Mariana Levine, and uh, Marge Doherty, who was on our LGBTQ episode back in 2020. So got to say hi wow. to a lot of people. Lots of past guests. Yeah. Yeah, that's so cool. Uh, it's like a it's like a BC the Beatles reunion. Seriously, it was great. I saw a bunch of people that I hope are future guests, like social media creator Skylar Moody was there. She was very cool. Love to have Frida Kelly on the show. Love to have Billy Jay on the show. So you know, we'll see maybe next year at this time, there'll be past guests as well. And you you saw some of our uh, our cohorts too, which is I'm so jealous. You get to hang out with some of our fellow podcasters. I might have a couple of favorite parts of the fest, but this was my favorite, favorite part of the fest for sure, is seeing <laughs> our fellow podcast friends like Jonathan and Julia from Ranking the Beatles. All four of the Blotto Boys were there. So Becker, Tommy, Scotty, and RB. <laughs> They were wearing um, matching logo sweatshirts with the Blotto what? logo on them. Oh my them. God, we need we need logo sweatshirts. I would wear that all the time. Actually, you know what? I want a Blotto. I want a Blotto logo sweatshirt. I use their koozie a lot when I'm, you know, when I'm drinking a, a nice seltzer. They're wearing their their alt logo this time, which has a guy throwing up. Oh, I love that's what the, that's what's on your koozie. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> well, that's pretty accurate. As to what happens after you go on their podcast, I can speak from experience. <laughs> I will never forget that. That's why I can't drink Fireball or um, I can, you know what? I can handle a little bit of Fireball, but I can't do spice rum anymore. That is off the table for me because of that Blotto episode. <laughs> well, you're lucky that I have a little tiny branded Blotto Beatles shot of Fireball just for you. Oh, thanks, guys. <laughs> thanks, Blottos. Love you guys. Yeah. <laughs> and they weren't the only podcasters here. We had Ethan Alexanian from Fans on the Run. He's amazing. Aww, I'd love to meet him. Lots of other podcast folks, guys, from Things We Said Today. Some of Talk More Talk, Two Legs. So good that they're they're all representing. The only thing we were missing was you, Allison. Aww. I was watching uh, all the social media stuff go down and Erica, you were sent, certainly sending me pictures and all of that. And I was just so, I was so sad, but you know, it was, it was nice to vicariously live it through all of you. Yeah. yeah. Well, you were asked about a lot. So next time, Aww, next time for sure. That's so nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see what else. I was on one panel, Christine's A Women's History of the Beatles panel. So Christine was moderating it. It was with Sarah Schmidt. Three other authors who we haven't had on, but may soon, Patty Gallo-Stedman, Debbie Gensler, and Susan Ryan. Debbie Gensler was a teenager in New York City in the 60s and had a long-standing relationship, friendship with Brian Epstein. So I think we need to talk to her. Um, yeah, I need to ask her everything. She needs to tell me um, all of the secrets, all of the tidbits. Um, yeah, we need to have Debbie on ASAP. Yes. So great women, wonderful panel. It was the most amazing energy. It was full. People were contributing. People were clapping. People were saying, wish it could have gone for another hour. So it was really nice to be on that panel. And I felt like that positivity and 
that many people, you know, choosing to come to the panel really bodes well for the future of this fandom, for the future of Beatles scholarship, for the future of women in the fandom. It was so great. It's nice to see that kind of support for women also, because as you said, Erica, about the main stage, it's kind of a sausage fest. Hence why we started the podcast, pretty much, you know, we wanted to incorporate different voices into the conversation. So it's great that it was well attended and to see that support for the ladies of the Beatles community. It's exciting. It's very exciting. Um, Great. Yep. And can't forget the marketplace. I got some club sandwiches from 1989 and 1991. Very excited. I got a copy of George Martin's book, All You Need Is Ears. And I got a fake butcher cover to frame that looks a lot like the real thing. (laughs) So hooray for me. Very relevant to uh, a couple episodes ago. Yeah. I just love the picture. I couldn't care less if it's worth anything. So I'm excited to have a butcher cover. (laughs) Yeah. Overall, great time with great people. World's best music in a hotel that lets you go back in time. So yeah, you can't beat the venue. Yeah. Awesome. I'm glad you had a good time. It sounds like a lot of fun. And again, I wish you were there, but I'm glad that you got to go and experience it and hang out with our podcast brethren. Next time we'll get together and you'll do a shot with Blotto. Oh, fuck yeah, I'll do a shot with Blotto. (laughs) I've made a lot of bad decisions with those guys. So why stop now? Oh, it was a good decision. They had this peanut butter whiskey. I love peanut butter whiskey. Is it screwball? Yes, it was. It was so good. Yes, I love a screwball. Um, tip for listeners and for you, Erica, I guess, but if you mix it with like a raspberry seltzer, it tastes like peanut butter and jelly. It's so good. It's my new drink of choice. Very nice. On to our feature for today. The show is going to drop on Valentine's Day. Kind of a gross holiday. Not everybody's favorite. <laughs> No, but, you know, when we can celebrate it with our love for the Beatles, that makes it a little bit better. Yeah, and we are not alone in this love for the Beatles. Fans have been writing letters to the Beatles for over 60 years now. So today we thought we would go back in time and read some of these letters that fans wrote at the beginning of Beatlemania. Yes. And before we start, Erica, have you ever written a letter to a celebrity? I did not. I do remember one time that there was some kind of contest, and I don't know what it was, but if you sent in a postcard, like you could meet Paul and Linda. And <gasps> what? Yeah. And I don't remember what it was, but I do remember, like, this is the point in my life where, like, I had $30. So, like, I worked out with my parents, like, how many postcards you can buy and send to whatever the address was for $30. Very, very strong memory of like sitting in study hall or homeroom or, you know, any free period at school, just writing postcard after postcard with whatever that address was to try and win this thing. Oh, my gosh, that's so cute. I didn't win it. I had I've never heard of such a thing, but that would have been I wonder who won that. I mean, they suck, obviously. I don't know. Maybe (laughs) it wasn't real. I have no idea. I don't know. I mean, who can really say? Maybe it was in Club Sandwich, but I don't know because I didn't know about Club Sandwich until way after it stopped. I didn't either, obviously. I mean, that was before our time a little bit. You know, we were we were just kids. Yeah, it wasn't really before my fan time, but it was before the time I would have known where to find information like that. Well, I wish you would have won that. I know. Did you ever write a fan letter or a love letter to a celebrity? I did. I don't even know how old I was, maybe like 10 or 11. But this was the slurp of the 90s, people. Okay, <laughs> so my number one crush was Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Like every fucking 12-year-old girl (laughs) everywhere loved JTT. 
and I wrote him a letter and I got a postcard, a signed postcard back. So I treasured that I had on my wall forever. I probably still have it somewhere, Um, but I loved, loved it. I don't remember what I wrote, but I also wrote fan letters to the monkeys. I sent all four of them a letter, I think with a copy of a drawing. I did my, I remember my mom making me make copies of my drawing. She's like, you don't want to send them the original. She's right. Yeah, I still have the drawing somewhere. And I think she made me copy the letters. So I might have copies of my letters, which is really probably very embarrassing. (laughs) But yeah, I remember mailing them on like notebook paper to the four. I never heard back. I mean, I've since met them all. So that's great. But, you know. Well, next time you run into Mickey, you have to ask him why he did not write back. I will. I'll be like, hey, did you ever get my letter? I remember I drew your drum head on it. You might recall that one letter you got. <laughs> I am shocked that it's not John Sebastian that you wrote to. Well, I became a John fan much later than I would have been writing up letters to my favorites. I'm trying to think of any modern ones. Uh, obviously, I'm an old lady now, so I haven't done that for quite a while. But I did. I remember back in like the maybe the aughts, I was pen pal sort of a Peter Noon, like on email. It wasn't really like a love letter, but I wrote him like, uh, like, hey, I love your music, blah, blah, blah. And that was when he was really kind of innovative in the way he interacted with his fan club and his fan base, which was a lot of email, a lot of chat room stuff. Really? Peter Noon was like big into the early aughts, like fan communities? His website was really interesting because he had all these alter egos. Like one was like a priest named Father No One. I think he had like all these different alter egos that had like their own pages. But his approach to his fans was he was so invested in them. I mean, he would go in the chat room like every night with the fans and there were a core group of them called Nunatics. And this is totally getting off the topic, guys, but it was it was really unique. And so the Nunatics had this contest where it shows you would get a box of his CDs and whoever could sell the most would get, I don't know, like dinner with him or whatever. And so he would sort of activate this hardcore fan group to like actually benefit him. And I don't think it was all just like capitalism at work. I think it was a lot of like engaging with the true fans and that kind of thing. Although some of the Nunatics were kind of bitchy. They were pretty possessive, especially to like a little kid. Fan communities <laughs> you know? can get really uh, kind of rough. Yeah. But Peter, back in the day, I haven't seen him in forever and ever, but he was great. He was great with fans. He really, the first time I ever met him, he really took his time with me and made me feel like, because we'd been emailing for so long, like it was really nice to meet him in person. And he was the only sort of 60s person my mom really liked, even though she was in her 20s and the 60s. So I'll never forgive her for not being a fan of the music. But she got to like Peter because Peter would call her Allison's mom. <laughs> she liked that. Um, but yeah, he was he was really sweet with her. So long story short, Peter Noon, probably the last person I wrote a fan letter to, and that was over email. And I can't think of anything else. Oh, well, I'm happy to know that that was a positive experience overall. Yes, it was. It was all net positive. But today, these letters are coming from girls, probably what in their mid teens would be the oldest one. Yeah. And I think the youngest one that I found was eight. Quite a range. (laughs) So precious. I love it. And these are girls who would have 60 years ago, just right now, they would have been reeling from seeing the Ed Sullivan show. What is the book that you got with these letters in it? Because that's pretty interesting. 
A lot of these come, I think maybe all of the ones that we're reading today come from this cute little book. It's called Love Letters to the Beatles. And the letters themselves were selected by an editor called Bill Adler. And the drawings were by somebody who goes by Osborne. It's this tiny little book, like six by six square. So very small, like a CD size, really. The editor's note says, many thanks to the Beatles, George, Paul, John, and Ringo for their cooperation in permitting me to select the letters in this book from the hundreds of thousands of wonderful letters they have received in the past year. Bill Adler, New York City, June 1964. Oh, wow. So it's right in the throes of Beatlemania in the U.S., Every single person here, you can think they wrote their letter sometime just about now, 60 years ago. Oh, yeah. I love that. I it's so special. I know. And it's got these cute little illustrations like this. This is the most mid-60s thing that I own. Oh, well, we'll have to post some of the illustrations yeah. on our social media. So check that out. Definitely. Read us a letter, Erica. Okay. Dear John, I am four feet eight. I weigh 92 pounds. I am all yours forever, BL. Are you sure you didn't write that? Although it wasn't to Paul. I'm not four feet eight. Really? I'm five feet. I made it. I made it. I made it to the five. <laughs> you made it. <laughs> and yes, I would have written it to Paul. Maybe I'll still write it to Paul. You should. You should absolutely do that. I wonder if Paul ever get like, if Paul gets young fan letters, I'm sure he does. Oh, he must. I mean, the character of the letters are probably slightly different. But you know what? Who knows? Dear Paul, I wish you were my grandpa. <laughs> In the Fest Marketplace, I saw plenty of pins that said, I slept with Paul McCartney. People are still buying them. Oh, yeah. They always have those. And they're so good. I never bought one, but I, I should get. But I'm not sure who I would want to sleep with. Did you ever buy a I slept with Paul McCartney pin? I'm pretty sure I did. I'm sure you yeah. did. That's That seems like something that you would, I mean, yeah. we would both buy it, but yeah. Anyway, going back to our topic after uh, that little divergence, I have one here. Very cute. Uh, it says, Dear Beatles, this is my 43rd letter to you. Please answer quick. I am desperately running out of stamps. <laughs> Laura A., Boston, Massachusetts. That is so cute. <laughs> I know. Uh, I wonder how much uh, 43 stamps would have been back then. I can't imagine very much. No, but of course, with inflation, it, it probably was quite a lot if she was young. Yeah, I wish um, they would give more of their ages. A few of them do. Well, they're not all love letters. Uh-oh. Yeah, some of them are asking for advice, like this one here from Betsy E. from Baskerville, Arkansas. She wrote, Dear Ringo, I have a nose like yours and I am a girl. So what should I do? Sincerely, Betsy E. Oh, my goodness. I wish Ringo would have given her some good advice. I hope now she realizes her nose has character and she's proud of her nose and happy with it. Yes, exactly. I mean, there are worse things than to have a nose like Ringo's. Of course. Yes, yes. Uh, well, I've got one from fellow Ohioan, Gloria Goodman in Cincinnati, Ohio. It says, Dear Beatles, what can I do? I can't seem to get you out of my head. I dream of you all the time. I am suffering. Oh. <laughs> Poor thing. Couldn't you please help me? I sit and sit and think, and I know that the Beatles don't even know there is a Gloria Goodman in this world. But there is, really. Signed, I long for you, Gloria. Wow. <laughs> Those are some big feelings, Gloria. Yeah. We talked about this with Richard Mills. 
when we were talking about fandom and how for a lot of people, this was a liberating experience to be a Beatles fan. You could write things that you really couldn't say in, in your regular life. That's so true. I mean, she couldn't tell her parents, like, I'm suffering because I love the Beatles so much. Or she may have, and they had just been like, whatever, get over it. Yeah, but everything's so important and serious when you're a teenager, so. Yeah, and it's easier to get obsessed with things. You know, I miss, that's part of being a teenager that I kind of miss, is that sort of obsession um they're just easier to catch mm-hmm. you know I don't know if you feel that way oh I do I mean I'm, I still get obsessed with things but now we have adult things to think about and we know more about the wider world so it doesn't have this singular all-encompassing importance in the same way that you know liking a band or liking a show or something might have had when you were 13 that is so true I mean the last thing I probably got obsessed with like that was Sherlock mm. but <laughs> but we don't talk about that but I, I can't say right now, you know, well, the Beatles, obviously, we have this podcast, yeah. but you know, <laughs> maybe that's the one. Yeah, we spend a lot of time doing this we, podcast. We so. do spend a lot of time <laughs> talking about the Beatles and thinking about the Beatles, dreaming of the Beatles. You know, we're like Gloria in a lot of ways. They make us suffer. We feel you, Gloria. We do. Now, here's one who was definitely in the spot that I was in 60 years ago last weekend. Dear Beatles, I saw you when you landed at Kennedy Airport in New York. I was almost killed and I was just six feet away from you. Everybody went crazy and crazy is spelled with three Zs. I had an ankle sprained, my dress torn, a slightly scratched face and a black eye. Isn't it wonderful? I adore you all. (laughs) Cookie E, Queens, New York. Cookie. Oh, I love you. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. I'm so jealous. And she probably wore all that with pride. Yeah. She is going after what she wants and she is proud of it. She was six feet away from them. That's really close. Like, I wonder if that was inside the airport or like as they went to their cars, like I'm so curious. Yeah. Or did she get past the the police officers? I mean, that's very close. And she got very injured. She got injured. So. Yeah, <laughs> she got really injured. <laughs> Damn, a sprained ankle. Like, that's that's nothing to sneeze at there. There's a pencil illustration next to it of a, of a teenage girl with a black eye. Oh, no. <laughs> I wonder how she got the black eye if she got, like, elbowed by another fan or something. When you're that close, you're out for blood. Yeah. You're not going to let anybody stand in your way. Punch somebody in the face if they get close to your beetle. <laughs> That's true. I love that she's telling them about the pandemonium when we know that, you know, from last week that Paul and certainly Ringo were talking about, you know, the the energy of landing at JFK and seeming like there were millions of people there. Ringo said like he felt like the tentacles of New York were drawing him in. I think Cookie E had a lot to do with that. I do, too. I think that was Cookie Spirit. I think those were her tentacles pulling that plane. She's a freaking hero. I hope she's still around. Cookie, if you're listening, we love you. And you are the spirit of everything we do. Oh, my God. Wouldn't that be a dream if somebody who wrote one of these is listening? That would be amazing. I mean, even better than Paul. Paul, we know you're listening. We know you listen to us. But yeah, we would love it if one of these awesome girls a listener but honestly paul you should respond to cookie e before you say anything to us she she deserves yeah. a right back <laughs> yeah she she sacrificed man she got totally beat up isn't it wonderful isn't it wonderful uh well this one says and this is another girl from new york city who we love we love our new york girls 
And she says, my darling Beatles, I have kissed this letter 3,268 times. My lips are sore, but I am in heaven. Love, love, love. Melissa B. New York City. Wow, that's a lot of times. It is a lot of times. She should have used like some nice lipstick to prove it. They could have counted. They could have given her a little smooch back on her three over 3,000 kisses. I'd like to think that because these letters were selected for this book that the Beatles might have written back. I hope so. If this was like right in the, you know, like mid 64 and the compiler said that the Beatles sort of signed off off on it, I would imagine they at least saw the letters. Yeah. Maybe they got a response from, you know, Frida Kelly or one of her other fan club leaders. Good old Frida. Good old Frida. She may have, yeah, sent them a little message back. But like, Cookie, I'm so sorry about your black eye. Here's (laughs) a friggin' signature from Paul. I would have loved that. She would have loved that. Though she does write to (laughs) all four of them. She does not specify a favorite beetle. Well, you can't choose. I mean, you know, you get get what you get and you don't get upset. I guess. (laughs) I guess. (laughs) I mean, I wonder if she'd been upset if she was like a Ringo girl and she got Paul. You know, those Ringo girls are intense. So I, I think she would be. That's true. The Ringo girls are are dedicated. Shout out to uh to Coral. To Coral, we love her. She was at the fest. She was wearing the cutest little hat that said Ringo on it. Oh, I love her. If you guys don't know Coral, she's Sarah Schmidt's mom, and she is the absolute best. We love her. And the biggest Ringo fan I've ever met. It's amazing. Huge, huge. And they've gotten to meet Ringo, I think, once or twice now. Sarah was able to give him her book in St. Louis, I believe. She has a book called. Happiness is seeing the Beatles. And it's about when they came to St. Louis and she gave him a copy of it when when she met him, which is so cool. And I loved getting their Christmas card that year because it was obviously the two of them with Ringo, (laughs) as it should be. Forever. (laughs) Absolutely. You can't ever have another Christmas card after that. No, 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 no. Well, I have a letter here that's in a little different direction. It's asking for advice, but this time it's from a man or maybe a boy. Oh. To the Beatles, my girlfriend is crazy for you. You are killing my romance. All she wants is a lock of your hair. I don't know why. She already has 10 of mine. David W., Miami, Florida. Oh, poor David. I would love it if he was like 52. (laughs) (laughs) I know he's being hyperbolic, but I love the idea that he would like snip off 10 locks of his hair. For his girlfriend and be like, how, what more can I give you? You're blonde. I don't want that. I can't even pretend. Poor boys. I know those poor, those poor boyfriends. They just can't, they couldn't compare. They still can't. Uh, well, here's a girl who has another question. This one is for John. And by the way, the handwriting on these is great. I, I think some of these need to be fonts. This girl, her name is Mildred. She has excellent handwriting she makes her a's like i do which is like the little font a if that makes sense yes. uh, not the not the a with the tail but the a with the hat the a with the little hood yeah <laughs> little hood yeah dear john is it true that instead of seeing screaming girls in the audience all you really see is a lot of screaming dollar signs oh. a curious fan mildred g columbus nebraska Damn, Mildred. Wow, you and George, you guys should have a conversation about the text, man. Yeah. George probably sees a lot of dollar signs. Yeah, going to the tax man. Yeah, he sees the dollar signs flying away. Yes, exactly. Uh, Mildred, that is savage, dude. I don't know 
what kind of response she wants. That one probably didn't get an answer, but I love that it got included. Yeah, me too. Okay, here's another letter. This one is addressed to George. And uh, this girl has, uh, she has a point of view. Dear George, I am not one of those man chasers. I think a girl should wait until the man chases her. But I'm not going to wait forever. Your friend, Alice T. Pittsburgh. Oh, Pittsburgh. Hell yeah, I represent. That's where I went to college. (laughs) (laughs) That is great. This is like a sexy letter. Alice knows what she wants. She's going to go after it. She's got her sights set on George. Love it. Speaking of sexy letters, I have one here to Paul. Dear Paul, I think you are very sexy and I don't even know what that means. (laughs) Your little fan, Shirley D. Oh. Your little fan after she called him sexy. (laughs) She must be like 10 years old. (laughs) Maybe. I mean, that's so cute and weird and vaguely uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. But looking (laughs) at the handwriting, it looks like a child's handwriting because I have this one in my book. It does. Oh, another George letter. Dear George, marry me. I promise I won't be a drag. Love, Alice Z, Chicago. These Alice girls, they all want to marry him, but they're not going to wait forever. But they promise they won't be a drag. That's very good in a marriage. All right, I've got one more. Okay. (laughs) This one is pretty crazy. (laughs) All right. My adorable sweet John, I have lost 30 pounds and you have been the inspiration for my diet. I don't eat. I just sit and look at your picture. Fat Phyllis is no more. Oh, my God. Fat Phyllis, first of all, you are beautiful, no matter what. I wish body positivity had been a thing in the 60s. Yes. Also, go get a sandwich. You must be starving. Also, yeah, dude, like, don't kill yourself with a diet. Like, eat some delicious food. Poor thing. But I can understand being lovesick makes you lose your appetite sometimes. Yes. Who has time to eat when you're looking at John Lennon? I get it. In 1964, no less. Seriously. John, 1964, 65. Damn. No, 66, John. That's my, that's right in the pocket for me. Right before how I won the war? That is the cutoff. (laughs) That is the cutoff for me. Like Revolver John with his hair just a little bit long. Oh my God. And like the black turtleneck. What's your cover era, John? Yeah, so good. (laughs) Love it. Well, now I need to go look at it. When I go to a diet, this is a good one. I'm just going to go stare at John for the rest of the night. There you go. They don't go on a diet. Diets suck. Yeah, diets are dumb. Oh, I have another one to John. Oh, okay. This is more proactive than the other one. And it's from two girls at once. Darling John, our plan is to be outside your hotel. And when you pass, we plan to break the police barricade, run up to you, and handcuff ourselves to you. Will it work? My God. Your loving, adoring, greatest fans, Judy and Joyce, Chicago. That's terrifying. <laughs> there's two of them and there's one of him that's very threatening where are they getting these handcuffs either they're taking them off the cops which is bad maybe one of them has a parent who's a cop and they took it from them that's amazing i love that do you have another letter to take us home another one to george Ooh, dear george i recently read that while you were in america you were asked if you were going to buy any american clothes you answered Yes, only what I need. They asked, what's that? And you said, underwear, the American kind. (laughs) Well, what's the difference between American and English underwear? 
Our fan club needs this information before our next meeting. Thank you. Joan B., President, <laughs> Beetle Fan Club, New York City. <laughs> I That's a good question. What is the difference? I don't know. I mean, I know the names are different because in England, pants are pants, our yeah. underwear and trousers are their pants. So it's a little different. And knickers are underwear there too. That's so interesting. I don't know because I feel like both places have like briefs and boxers and boxer briefs. Could he mean like undershirts? Could he mean, you know, because underwear is kind of all encompassing. Long underwear. It was very cold and he was sick. Uh, well, yeah, poor little guy. I think I've seen enough pictures of the Beatles in their underwear in some form or another, you know, in a hard day's night. Like there, there are times when we see them dressed like that and they look the same to me. I didn't notice a difference. I can't imagine. I mean, look, it's George. He's probably just giving a funny answer, but it raises the question. Next time we have a British guest, we'll have to answer this pressing question. The New York City Beatles fan club needs to know before their next meeting. It's time sensitive, really. (laughs) We need to get it to Joan B. ASAP. Oh, my God. Joan B. is probably in Sarah's book about the Beatles fan clubs. She's the president. Oh, probably. We'll have to remember her and ask Sarah when when Sarah comes on, for sure. Like, wouldn't it be amazing if Sarah interviewed Joan B.? Yeah, she's really close with some of these fan club members. She will know exactly who that is and if she's encountered her. So, yeah. So plan, have Sarah on, ask her about Joan B, contact Joan B and find out what the difference is. See if she ever got a reply from George. And if she didn't, we'll need to give her a report. She's been waiting too long. Yes, this is going to work out. It's going to work out 60 years later. I'm always happy to be of service. This is why we're here. The hard hitting questions. We're willing to go the distance, especially on this Valentine's Day. Yes, we are. Exactly. And we hope you guys have enjoyed our little trip down memory lane with these ladies and David, who is having some romantic issues with his girlfriend. Some romantic issues and a lot of bald spots, unfortunately. I was going to say, it sounds like he's having a, a lack of hair <laughs> issue as well. Poor guy. A lot of bald spots. <laughs> well, he, you know what? He needs a Beatles wig. I'm sure his girlfriend would be very thrilled about that. That's what's going to save that relationship. Wear a Beatle wig. Yeah. See, we should have answered that question. He should have written to us in the future. We would have been great assistants to Frida Kelly. We would have. Oh, that would have been such a dream job. Man, get us a time machine. At least we can do it now. We can. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, you can always email us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting a little ahead of ourselves. If you have any questions that you'd like us to answer, we will absolutely start <laughs> an advice you should never take segment. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm sure we have good advice. <laughs> I don't know the difference between American and UK underwear, so I can't answer the question. And that's the barometer with which to measure our advice giving? Depends on the question. I guess. I, you know what? If we, you know, we would figure it out. We'd figure figure out the answers to most any question. It's true. But I'll say, you know what? Give us a shot. It'd be fun. We could uh, We could start a whole other segment on the pod. I look forward to it. Yes, exactly. Well, thank you for listening to BC The Beatles. As always, subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening right now. Give us a rating and review so other Beatle maniacs can find us. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, slash X, and TikTok. We'll be posting photos of more from this episode and beyond. And remember, 
You can always email us. You can email us your questions, your conundrums. You can email us anything you like at bcthebeatles at gmail.com. And we will see you next time. Bye. Write us a letter. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>